little passage from Matthew 10. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You're clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters, he makes the clouds of his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds. He's ministering of flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took a flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field, the wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among, among the branches from their lofty above. You, you water the mountains. The earth, earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted, in them the birds build their nest, the stork has her home in the firm trees. The high mountains are for wild goats. The rocks are refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable. Living things, both small and great, there goes the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you, 
to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on earth, on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. From 20, verse 27 to 31. What I tell, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what I hear whispers, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So far, reading of the inerrant word of God. And we're going to prepare our hearts for the uh, preaching of the sermon, preaching of the word, by singing from Psalm 104, 1, 3, and 4. Stay 10. I'd like to invite you to open your book of praise. Page 525, Lord's Day 10. Lord's Day 10, question and answer 27. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is His almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with His hand, He still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed, all things come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. Question and answer 28. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by His providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from His love. 
For all creatures are so completely in His hand that without His will, they cannot so much as move. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once upon a time, there was a man. He was dropping off his son to a hockey game. They were driving together on a country road. And on that way, there was a little calf fallen in a ditch, struggling to come out. And the son said, Dad, look, there's a calf in the ditch. Don't you think we should go and help him out? And dad said, nah, it's his destiny. He's there because it's his fate. If God didn't mean it, mean that to happen, that wouldn't happen. It is God's will. A few minutes later, they were driving. They saw a car pulled over on the side of the road. It seems that the car had a flat tire. And there was a woman asking for help. And the son said, Dad, she's waving at us. We should stop and pull over and help her out. And Dad said, No, you're going to be late. You're going to be late for the hockey game. And besides, it's her fate. It's providence. If God didn't mean it, that would not happen. Then they arrived at the place, and the son played a hockey game. His father was watching. And while he was playing, the son bumped to another person so hard and his arm began to swallow so bad. And everybody said, we should call 911. Surprisingly, his father said, no, no need to do so. It was God's providence that happened. So father took his son home and mother became speechless. Mother took him to the hospital, and the doctor said, well, we need a surgery right away. Can, you, can I get a signature from you and your husband? And the father refused to give his consent, saying, well, if, if God didn't mean it to happen, it wouldn't happen, but it happened. It must be his providence. Therefore, if I sign this document, it means I'm going against his will. Therefore, I refuse to give my consent. Well, brothers and sisters, I admit this is a very radical and absurd story, which will not likely to happen. First, any normal father would not do that. He would not abandon or leave his son when he gets severely injured. You don't say, it is God's will. Let him be. No, you don't you take him to hospital right away. Second, the father in the story, he had very crooked view of providence. Well, it is true that everything happens not by chance, as we read from our Lord's Day 10, our confession, everything happens by his fatherly hand. That means God is in control of everything. However, we cannot and we should not ignore 
God's will that was revealed in his revelation and also his commandment to us, which is also revealed in his word. That is, love God with all your strength and with love your neighbor as yourself. Take an example of Deuteronomy 22. You shall not, you shall not see your brother's ox or his ship going astray and hide yourself from them. You shall certainly bring them back to your brother. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fall down along the road and hide yourself from them. You shall surely help him lift them up again. So, it is clear from the Bible that it is our responsibility, proper responsibility, to help them out. And our proper understanding of providence includes our responsibility. Because, again, it is God's will and our duty to help someone when he is in trouble. We don't leave them just because and say, we don't leave them by saying, well, it's God's will. That's not how God's providence works. So the theme and the points of the sermon is this. How God's providence relates to everything. What I mean by everything? It's literally everything. Want to see that in the first point, providence and creation. Second point, the providence and our life, daily life, every moment. And third point, providence and our responsibility. It is always good, brothers and sisters, to have precise definition of terms. Providence. Providence. According to our confession, providence is almighty, ever-present power of God by which he upholds and governs heaven and earth, creatures, everything. It is his power governing controlling, and also providing everything. However, it is interesting that we don't really find this word providence in the scripture. I remember there was a student in my catechism class, and she recently asked me a very good question. She asked, Reverend Lee, we don't, we're covering Lord's Day 8, Trinity. And she said, we don't find the word Trinity in our Bible, do we? Then why do we use that term? And the answer is because that word Trinity summarizes what he revealed in his scripture. His identity. That is, God is one, yet three persons. The, the word summarizes that very well. And although the word Trinity does not appear in our Bible, the concept of Trinity is everywhere from Old Testament and New Testament. God himself revealed to us that God is one and three persons. So you can imagine, let's imagine that we don't have the term Trinity. 
it would be very troublesome to explain the concept of Trinity. Every time you try to explain, you have to say, like, God is one, you have three persons, because you don't have the term. Imagine every time you have to read Athanasian Creed to explain Lord's Day 8. It is the same with the term providence. We don't find that particular, that very word providence in the Bible, but that concept he provides, he cares, is everywhere. That teaching of providence is everywhere throughout the scripture. And it is good and helpful to have that term which can summarize that biblical teaching in a faithful manner. If you look at our, Lord, our catechism, the catechism, Lord's Day 8, Lord's Day 9, Lord's Day 10, is following the structure of the Apostles' Creed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we are at the section of God the Father, and He is the Creator, and Lord's Day 9 talks about He is our Heavenly Father. Number 10 comes after number 9. Lord's Day 10 also talks about he, uh, our Heavenly Father. And here's the thing. The word providence, Lord's Day 10, the concept of providence, is deeply rooted with His being, Him being our Heavenly Father. In other words, the term Heavenly Father is crucial when it comes to under our understanding of providence. Our Heavenly Father provides, not just as a dictator, but as our Father. He protects, He governs everything as our Father. Normally, when parents give birth to a child, they not only give birth to a child, but they also have an obligation to provide, protect, and to love the child. The English word fathering is not only about being a biological father, but also raising the child with the care and love. It is to perform the duties as a male parents, providing, sustaining, loving, and sometimes if it's necessary, disciplining. And of course, abandoning the child after giving a birth, we don't call that fathering. Now, in the Apostles' Creed, we confess, I believe God the, in, the God, in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The word, that word Father has a meaning of creator. Ephesians 4, 6, One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. God the Father. He's our Father. Not only because He created us, but also because He provides for us. I remember uh, when I was young, my mom bought me uh, uh, pets, a couple of little turtles as a pet. And to be precise, it was I who threw temper tantrum so that I can get the turtles. My mom bought me turtles with one condition. I had to take good care of the pets. 
They came with a little tank. My job was to drop the food in the tank and then clean the tank at least once a week. And sadly, Mr. Turtle and Mrs. Turtle didn't last long, mainly because I lost interest. I did feed them, though. I was not consistent, but I did feed them. I might have forgotten to clean the tank for several weeks. And the point is, what's the point of being a father or master or owner or guardian if you don't want to take care of your pets, your creature? And we are so thankful that God is not like that. You see, brothers and sisters, God's almighty power shines through everything, even now, through creatures and creation, but also through ongoing, sustaining power of this creation, whole universe. For instance, our Lord Jesus Christ told us in Matthew 10, 29, about sparrows. We just read the passage. I remember... uh, Ever since I came to Canada, I realized there are so many kinds of birds. And for me, I call that exotic birds because i never seen that before. Uh, I don't know their names, to be honest. So I call them by the color of their heads. Redhead, bluehead, yellowhead. And I quickly realized that I ran out of names because God created so many of them beautifully. See how wonderful and beautiful God's creation is? And His almighty power is reflected well in the creation. Yet, brothers and sisters, His power shines all the more when I look at His providence, His care. There are birds who preach every day. There are birds who can sing really well. There are birds that who, can, who doesn't sing well either. There are birds who like to bang their heads against windows every morning. But after all, they are all creatures of God. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, are not even two sparrows sold by a penny, a little smallest amount of money. Are not one of them falls, and not all of them, not, not, not one of them falls to the ground apart of your father's will. So the point is not only that they were created, but they are being sustained by God Himself every day, every moment. Even the cute squirrels that children love, even the annoying rabbits who ruin your gardens, whether you like them or not, God sustains them and feeds them. He did not abandon them, nor gave them to the fortune or to chance. He himself controls, governs, sustains them all. Why? Because. Lord's Day 9. He is our Heavenly Father. Brothers and sisters, have you ever heard a theory called the blind watchmaker? Blind watchmaker. It's 
Some people say God is like a blind watchmaker. What does that mean? Some people believe that there is a being. We don't know who that is. But there is a divine being, perhaps created the whole world, who knows when. And after the creation, he decided not to interfere with the natural law. He, doesn't, he created, but he doesn't want to govern, so he let the nature to take care of everything. And they call a blind watchmaker because they consider God like a, a watchmaker who created, who created a watch and let it run by its tapes or battery. And the problem of this theory, blind watchmaker, is that they took away one of the most important attributes of God. That is, God is love. This theory does not see God as our intimate father, but distant blind watchmaker. Cold-hearted, pathetic, divine being. Brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. Because Bible speaks otherwise. Our Lord revealed in John chapter 5, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Notice the word have has been working. It has a sense of continual. It's not that God stopped working after sixth day of creation. No, He has been working faithfully ever since. That's why we, along with people of Israel, back then in the Old Testament time, confessed that the keeper of Israel does not slumber. As we read Psalm 104, David says, These are all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. You give them, they gather in, you open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they tremble, they fear. You take their breath, they die, return to dust. You send, you send your spirit, then they are created. If you notice the Psalm 104, if you notice the subject and object and the verbs, the Lord, you can see the Lord is intimately involved with everything that is happening on this earth. Providence. So, He created. He's our good Father. He, does, he didn't leave them. He didn't leave them to chance or fortune. But He provides. If one cannot believe that God is creator of heaven and earth, then he also cannot believe that God is the sustainer of the universe. This leads to the second point, providence and our life. As I mentioned, as I just mentioned the first point, God did not leave his creation to chance or fate. There's no such thing as chance or fortune or luck. Maybe in our eyes, it may look like everything is run by natural course. It seems that everything is being managed by natural law. Therefore, some people use the terms such as mother nature, as if the divine, as, as, as if there is a divine entity in the nature that governs every aspect of our lives. But this term 
Mother Nature deprives the glory from our God. Because it is not really the nature that governs us. It is God who governs every detail of our life. Brothers and sisters, did you know that before God created natural rules, or natural law, He was already in control of everything? We see that in Bible. Think about this. Have you ever thought that in Genesis 1, chapter 1, have you ever thought why God created light before He created sun, moon, and stars? Why was this creation account of light mentioned in Genesis 1 when God said, let there be light, not after the fourth day? You see, light is indispensable when it comes to growing plants and food, isn't it? If you look at the last chapter of the Bible, last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, 23, it tells us the striking truth. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. So what is, this, what is all this telling us? It tells us that God does not need a sun, moon, and stars. He does not need a natural law to govern us. He is the source of life. He is the source of light. He's the one who gives the light. He's the one who gives the life. He's the one who takes the life. The doctrine of providence teaches us to focus on Heavenly Father, not natural phenomena or natural law. Think about it. When Joshua prayed in Joshua 10.13, the Lord stopped the sun. Can you imagine the sun stopping in the middle of the sky for a while? 2 Kings 20, the Lord brought the shadow 10 degrees backward for Hezekiah. He is the servant. Even the sun with, with, is within his hand. The sunrise and sunset, which happens every day, is, is not just an ordinary natural phenomenon. Rather, God shows through those passages that God controls them and God can turn it around anytime He wants for the sake of His people. We just read from Matthew 10. Matthew 10, and Jesus said, Do not fear. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And he continues, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sparrows are small and insignificant. Two sparrows sold for a penny. One copper coin. Uh, well, speaking of sparrows, I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 12. It's a similar story, but a little bit different. And it's good to cover that. Luke chapter 12, verse 6. 
Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You can see we discover some differences. Matthew says two sparrows for one penny. Luke says five sparrows for two pennies. Uh, if you little children, if you can do little math, math of the two sparrows for one penny, that makes one sparrow is worth for half penny. Which means two pennies, you can buy four sparrows, but Luke says five. What's wrong with this? Does, did the Gospel of Luke or Matthew make a mistake? Some people say yes, and I disagree. Well, it's likely that Jesus told this story more than once. And neither Matthew or Luke made a mistake. They're both right. You see, actually what happened in the marketplace is that if you buy more, sometimes they give you one more for free. We witnessed that from time to time. My wife loves that. In the Walmart, if you buy one pack of gum, you pay, let's say, $2. But if you buy two packs, you get one more for free. You pay the same amount, $4, but you get five of them. And that was the case back in those days, in ancient time, and Jesus knew that. But the main point is this, brothers and sisters, here's the precious message. You see, the, even the fifth one, that is supposed to be free, the extra, insignificant, superfluous, that one, even that one is under God's care. In Luke passage, Jesus said, not one of them is forgotten by God, even the fifth one. Do not fear, therefore, because you are more valuable than even that fifth sparrow. You can look at the next verse. The hair of your, ha hair, hair of your head are all numbered. By Heavenly Father. My dad is a minister. Remember, he, is a very he was reluctant to preach on this passage. He was always hesitant to preach on the passage that talks about hair or shaving head because he was losing hair. But the point is, even his hair that was getting thinner, which he was afraid of losing, were all numbered by our Heavenly Father. When you comb your hair, you lose the hair every day. Some people are very sensitive. They love to count them all. But they lost the count next day. But the point is, our Heavenly Father, even in this situation, He knows the number of your hair. He's not the only one. Some people have thicker hairs. Some people have very bushy and curly hairs, very hard to count. Even those are all numbered by God. This is something that we always pass by when we do a family devotion. But if you think about it, it's such amazing truth. Brothers and sisters, if you know that this is true, if you know for sure that everything, even insignificant things, are 
run not by chance or luck, by, but by providence of God, we should be a little bit careful with our language. Let me give you some examples. In English language, people like to use the word lucky. For instance, oh, I found, I was walking by downtown somewhere and I happened to, happened to found a $20 bill while I was walking. And a friend says, oh, lucky you. When you say the word lucky, what do you mean? By saying the word luck or fortune, you're implying that the good thing that happened are coming from some kind of supernatural force, luck or fortune. You know, uh, I'm not a native English speaker, so I learn something every day. You know what I learned when I came to Canada? I also learned an expression, my fingers are crossed. Many people use that, don't they? First time when I heard the expression, I didn't get what that meant. What do you mean? Like, why do you cross your fingers? This looks uncomfortable. Are you trying to stretch your fingers? Well, that's not the case. Somebody told me. Well, it's an expression to wish for luck. For instance, I, I took my chemistry exam yesterday, and my fingers are crossed. Well, buddy, if you don't study, but if you spend all day crossing your fingers, I think you deserve to fail. The passage that we read, Matthew 10, the sparrows, they don't fall to the ground, not because they cross their fingers, well, they have feathers, but because of our Heavenly Father. Remember that. <coughs> Another expression that I learned, this really interests me, is the word jinx. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's a J-I-N-X, jinx. You jinxed, jinxed it. It's an expression of superstition. Well, I've even been, I've been had it all A+, plus for last 12 years. And friend says, oh, now you said it, you're going to jinx it. Again, it's the expression of a superstition. You're not glorifying God. You're, you're attributing all those good things to something else. And you can imagine how much our Heavenly Father be offended by this kind of language. John Calvin talks about this extensively. He's quoting from Augustine, his church father, who felt so guilty for using words such as fortune. We do that all the times, do we not? Fortunately, unfortunately, we do that without knowing. Augustine said he felt so guilty of using these words because those words attributes or give glory to chance or luck or some kind of fortuna, the divine goddess. It's a pagan term. In fact, we are so used to, use, used to these words showing that how depraved we are. So brothers and sisters, let, it, let us be sensitive. Children, students, in your school, let us, let us be a little bit sensitive to this language. This leads to the final point, providence and our responsibility. 
Brothers and sisters, we just covered that God is in charge of everything, every moment, every creature, even us, our future. And one thing that I want to point out in this point is this. Just because God takes care of everything, it does not mean you can sit back and do nothing or be lazy. Some people think that living a godly life is all about relying on some kind of supernatural or miraculous signs. Unless you see miraculous signs in your life, you don't get assurance of your salvation. Some people say that. But brothers and sisters, let us not forget that God's providence means His ever-present power that upholds everything. As I said before, what I mean by everything, what the Catechism means by everything is literally everything, which includes, and this is the key, our plans, our wisdom. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, this way, that way, but the Lord directs his steps. The Lord directing his steps includes, even includes, our plans. In North, northern British Columbia, you know, there are bears in the forest. One day, some girls wanted to take a walk in the forest. And because of bears, you have to have at least three things. Mobile phone. Just in case mobile phone doesn't work, you have to get a bear spray. If that doesn't work, you need a rifle because of, because of bears. So parents told them, girls, make sure you carry your bear spray or a rifle. And one girl said like this, Dad, you of little faith, I believe the doctrine of providence. If God wants me to live, I shall live. If not, Oh well, I'll meet the bear, and so be it. That's not the right understanding of providence. If you know, there are bears walking in the forest, you better take that rifle. If the weather forecast says it's going to rain tomorrow, and you know there's a big hole in your, on your roof, you better get up there and fix the roof. Trusting God and knowing providence does not mean that you can disregard human responsibility. God is not a cruel dictator who moves us like a pawns on the chessboard. That's not who God is in the doctrine of providence. His providence means He's our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Father provided us with Wisdom to prepare. If there's a danger, he wants us to prepare. Think about Joseph's story. And when Pharaoh told him about his dream, what did he do? Oh, well, that's God's providence. Too bad. We're all going to die. No. He prepared. Because that's gift of God. Because he's our Heavenly Father who gave us wisdom. He wants us to use our wisdom and the equipments that He has given to us 
rather than flipping coins or rolling dice to decide what we need to do. Can you imagine that? If we have to do that every time we make important decisions? You see? We don't do that when we make important decisions. When you see a girl, a boy, when you decide, when you, you don't decide whether you're going to date with the person by rolling a dice or flipping a coin, that's, that would be ridiculous. You decide by evaluating him or see whether this relationship will be glorifying God or not. Because again, God gave you the wisdom, also his Word to guide us. If you decide everything by flipping coins, that's not providence. You know what that's called? That's called superstition. That's not being responsible. That's being foolish. The Lord made it very clear in His commandment that it is our duty to love life, protect life, and hate evil. If your neighbor is in danger, it is your responsibility to rescue him. And that is what God wants us to do. That's how you recognize God's sovereignty and his goodness. And most of all, one of the most important things when it comes to providence is that we do our best in obedience. Catechism teaches us as follows. Relying on Him, obey Him, trust Him. We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and the future, we can have a confidence in Him because He is our Heavenly Father. Because we know all creatures are so completely in His hand. So brothers and sisters, one thing I'd like to emphasize before I finish the sermon is this. Obedience with faith to His Word, our duty, and a gladness that God will take care of me. That is the true application of the doctrine of providence. Amen. Let us respond by singing from Psalm 146, 1 two and three. 